Welcome to episode 677 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team. Welcome along to episode 677 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Did you say 677 or 677? Perfect. Well done. I'm fantastic, Bevan. A little bit tired, but I'm uh, I'm coping. I'm coping. It's pretty phenomenal, John. I know you're in France right now, but you have the ability to look in New Zealand right now. <laughs> you're 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 like a superhero. It's pretty amazing. We're halfway through winter. Look at the mountains and the snows. Well, I'm not. Can't look at the mountains. I'm looking at the Pyrenees and mountains out I know, my but window. Okay, you've got this special superpower. Right, so I can look out one window and see you can the look Pyrenees. back to the past to two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't think this is very funny for the listeners, but maybe. But, but look at the no. This is. Okay, so from our house, we see all the kind of Southern Alps. Um, or, or There's some a of mountain range that runs down the spine of the South Island of New Zealand. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You, that, I'm, I'm well impressed with you right yeah. now. And I might be more impressed than any other moment in your life. God, it doesn't take much to impress you. <laughs> and normally in July, August, the snow is right to the bottom of the mountains. And how top third only, wouldn't it? It is not a great skiing season thus far. Although... When we're recording the show, there's supposed to be a few storms on the way. Okay, here we go. Okay, John, I'm proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. That's the name of you, Jombo. Yancey, the man of fashion. How's Harrington. I've got no idea. He's still in Christchurch. He's had a kid. He's still riding his bike, but Yancey was a fella who moved out here and uh, based partly on the influence of the show out to oh, Christchurch. Really? From he's, he's a real nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those people who always seems to smile. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, we've got Rob the Key Lockwood. Nice. And Anne Thong Thiles. It's been a long time contributor to the show. Again, this week's show. And it's thong as in thongs on your feet. Because she thong. runs in them. Yes. She says like Iron Man in them. Yes. That's cray cray. And she helped uh, guide uh, one blind of the athlete. blind athletes mm. to Kona one year. Yep. Lovely lady. Uh, this week's show is a bit of a funny one because John is overseas. So we've got a few things happening. We've got some news, just a short bit of news. And then we've got an interview with who, John? We've got Emma Billum, who won Ironman Island a few weeks ago. And hopefully, if I've been doing my job, uh, a bunch of Epic Camp interviews. No, you need to have done your job because it's going to be a very short show if you don't. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into it. News. We've got just a couple of races coming up. We've got Ironman Talonan. Um, now, we are recording this a few weeks in advance, so the start list might change a bit. Uh, Corrine Abraham is down to start on this original list we have, but she was also down to start in mm. a race last weekend. So doubtful she's doubling up. A very small uh, list of females ranked. Caroline Livesey wait, wait, is talking to your mic. Um, yeah. Angela Nath is in there, but she was also listed elsewhere. And Amelia Watkinson, who did her Ironman debut in... Frankfurt earlier this season so and also Kelsey Wilthrow who she I'm pretty sure I remember seeing her in Ironman Australia because I was watching the live coverage of that one I think she was a good runner so small um, compact field we are getting to the closer time to Kona once you're getting into August so field's pretty small it's only paying 30,000 deep but for the pro females two slots to go to Kona so when we're recording this there's only two four six eight ten people on the list and chances are that'll probably get smaller Mm. good time to be qualifying for Kona if you just want to make it somehow especially if you're that person who's you know like Sarah True Mm -hmm. you know now admittedly she's you know at this point it's probably too close because she wants to be competitive at Kona but if she turns up the race she's going isn't she well you'd think so and and you could treat it as a solid train day she's good enough that she could probably finish second here going at 
significantly less than 100%. Yeah. Uh, and do you go, okay, I'm going to race for place here. I'm just going to yep. go out there and race. Just it's all about slot. Just ticking the box and just making sure I finish second. Because she's such a good runner that if she comes off with any of these people, uh, if she has a half-decent run, she should be able to outrun Well, everybody. she could have a comfortable run and mm. not even a half-decent. No she- disrespect to any of these females. There's some no. good athletes there, but she's... She's a very good athlete. Any other events outside of the Ironman world? So what's this weekend coming up, Bevan? It's the 3rd of August. Yes. It is. We've got Norseman coming up this weekend. Oh, wow. So we often go on about Norseman, but it's only a select number of people get to do it every year. It's not like the thousands. It is an iconic race, and because you've got such a restricted field, not that many people get to do it, and it is difficult to get into. You've got the Slovak Man 226. You've got the Beach Triathlon in Denmark and the Ostelman in Germany. Norseman costs. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'd imagine it's probably pretty similar to the other races. Yeah, mm. iron, iron distance roads similar to. Yeah, I don't know. Just um, um okay. Will you talk about the next thing? I'm gonna try find out the answer. Right, Pro of the week. week. Last week's show, Bevan said Sue House, and she was looking down a start list yeah. for an event. Who's this? Well, she's kind of qualified, and she was a fair way down the ranking. And I thought the same thing a few weeks ago, and I thought there's a name I'd have got absolutely no idea on uh, so let's find out a little bit more about her she is a mother a wife a triathlete and a dietitian Bevan she's go. born in 1974 wow she's older than me two years older than me th- uh, so she's 45 yeah she's qualified for Kona. that's pretty cool that's impressive because also you, you well, we, I'm sure you'll talk about her history in a second, but it's not like, you know, who was the um, Karen Smyers, wasn't it? And she went to like late 40s and she was always pretty competitive. No, Natasha Badman, you're thinking of maybe. Or, or Badman as well. Yeah. Who was the one who won it once and she, she seemed to be there forever as well? Uh, American so lady. Heather Fuhr. No. Karen Smyers did win it, but she wasn't there or thereabouts for a long time. No, but she kept going back as a pro. Hmm. I think I think it was Karen Smyers. I think you're probably thinking Heather Fuhr. Am I? She won it once and she never really got close again, but she did keep going back and back and back. Yeah. She was a good athlete. Though. But, you know, those, those you know, high pedigree. Mm. Um, now, nothing against Sue, you know, but, you know, we haven't heard her name in the past. Uh, obviously, a pretty decent athlete, but to win an Ironman. Yep. You know. she, she won Ironman Taiwan uh, last year uh, with a, a six. Man, she must be a good swimmer. She did six minutes and 28 seconds in the swim. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, but she got, she got outswam by uh, Sonia Brace Girdle, patron of the show. Uh, Wait a second, how far was that swim? D- uh, 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 what Can does it say on here? Uh, f- roughly 400 metres. Okay. If that's 400 metres and Sonia's swimming 518, which I inc- assume would include transition, and the guys were swimming 434, I'm not saying they couldn't swim that, but if that includes transition, maybe a little bit short. Uh, but regardless, it was a miniature swim, uh, and she biked 5 hours and 18 seconds and ran 3 hours and 12 minutes for an 8.25.03, um, beating out Sonia Bracegirdle by 6 minutes, taking home $5,000 US, uh, but more importantly, taking a Kona slot. So when I looked into Sue's um, history in a little bit more detail, um, first thing that I did pick up was her age, which is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that as a compliment that oh, you're able to qualify for Kona when you're 45. Well, based on, based on the obsessive try, she's never won a race before. No, so she's had uh, quite a lot of podiums on um, 70.3s or, or in top 10s. Um, she won the Cozumel 70.3. Uh, she's had... 
yeah, uh, third place in Muskoka 70.3 2015. Yeah, a bunch of other um, 70.3 podiums. Uh, so clearly a, a good athlete, but has not done many long distance races as far as we can see. She went to the 70.3 World Champs uh, in 2017, finished in 25th place. But then goes off and uh, rocks Kona, and uh, no, rocks Taiwan, and takes uh, takes a slot. So pretty good, cool. Good on her. Yeah. Um, awesome. Just one other thing, I was just going to look. Uh, she's yeah, she's and she was down to race last weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how she performs there. So good on her, balancing everything up and smacking it out. Good going out there performing well and getting lucky that you know you haven't got any sort of top 10 Kona athletes there and uh, that's the same thing's going to happen this year around Kona time when you've got those Ironman races uh, we'll see a few surprises in terms of who's qualifying <laughs> oh, because you sneezed and I yawned <laughs> perfect combination uh, okay so Sue you're our pro of the week I'm sure the, the pros love us calling them the pro of the week John we've got an interview uh, my interview is with uh, Emma Bolin who won Ironman Island a few weeks ago uh, but we talk about many things in this interview so here is Emma right now Right, Tim, uh, we're going to say welcome along to Emma Bolin from, from the UK uh, who's had a pretty successful well, last period of time, but also just kind of been in triathlon for a while. So we thought we'd dig in and get to know a little bit about Emma. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, and uh, nice to be here. I will correct uh, one, though. I'm actually Swiss. Well, Are you Swiss? Uh, originally, well, my mum and dad are British, um, but I grew up in Switzerland, so I'm actually technically got British blood and a Swiss passport. So, so interesting. I, I do race for Switzerland, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you don't, you sound very British. Well, I do. I, I don't sound like I come from anywhere in particular, but I, I, yeah, I definitely have a bit of a British accent, yeah. I remember when I was definitely. a kid, I had these neighbours and, and their parents were British and they were very British. And, and the kids had a, a kind of a funny accent because it was kind of half Kiwi and half British, which Kiwi and British is a funny yeah. combination. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, no, it does, probably does sound a little bit odd, but um, definitely British twang in there somewhere, I think. Hey, so tell us, tell us a little bit about your kind of athletic kind of start, you know, maybe before triathlon and what, or have you always been in triathlon or just give us a bit of your history. Uh, no, I started off as a swimmer, as uh, I suppose a lot of us do, and um, got a bit bored with it by the time I was 16. Or I was, oh, to be fair, no, I just wasn't good enough at it. And um, <laughs> I was just sick of swimming up and down the, swimming up and down the pool count and telling tiles type of thing. And um I don't really know how it came about, but I've always been really sporty and I just wanted to do something else and convinced my mum and dad to buy me a bike and and that was it. Crashed it on the first outing, so I needed a new bike um, and then kind of went from there, learned how to ride it and uh, and did a couple of years of triathlon at sort of national junior level. Um, I was racing Daniela Reef actually at the time, um, it was a long time ago. And uh, did that for a couple of years, then decided I'd had enough of competitive sport because uh, I'd been doing it for so long. Um, studied, uh, traveled a bit and came back to triathlon when I was about 24. So that was kind of the, yeah. I'm interested the in, in the, the, the swim kids kind of, you know, because the swim kid has such a, it's a pretty demanding childhood really, isn't it? And there's a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifice that comes to being a swim kid. What's it like when you, when you lose it? discipline now it gives you that discipline yeah or maybe it doesn't for either when you when you stop you either just go completely the other way and don't do any sport for ages and ages or you always kind of have that in you don't you sort of get up and train get Mm. up and get up and move and that that knee i mean i started competitive swimming when i was nine and and i don't think it's ever gone away you have that kind of need 
for physical activity. Um, so even when I was studying, so I was still kind of jogging around and riding my bike a bit. And uh, I never did the party scene, really, just because I was too into sort of, yeah, staying active. And, and, and when I got back into um, sort of not quite professional sport, but regular sport, it was, it was just easy just to drop back into the routine of, of getting up and doing something mm. or at the end of the day. I think it, it definitely shapes you, yeah. When you studied, like you, you said, you still moved. Was there a longing for being an athlete still, or were you kind of at that moment your mind was totally somewhere else? I was kind of, I was kind of over it. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I had a burnout, but I got to eighteen. And it was like I can't deal with all this. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, um, and it was like I can't deal with all this high level sport anymore. I don't want to do it. I just want to, and I just. I didn't do anything for about three or four months. And my mum and dad actually bought me this beautiful bike for my 18th birthday. And I had this real guilt thing going. Um, that it was sitting in the garage gathering dust. <laughs> and I thought, I've got to go and ride it because they put so much effort and money into this. Yeah. Uh, I've got to ride it. And, and I live in Switzerland and there's just, there's hills everywhere and it's just gorgeous. And, and that, was, that was when the, sort of the, the love affair with cycling started, really, because I got on this bike, and it was a beautiful bike. Still, I still have it downstairs in the garage. I don't ride it anymore. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I just rode up and down hills, and I, I didn't have any need for competitive sport, and, but I just loved riding my bike. Um, and, in fact, even now as an athlete, I'd rather just ride my bike most of the time. In fact, that's what I've been doing since Ironman Island. I've just been out in the hills on my bike. I just did a bike race on Sunday and one just before that as well, just because, yeah, it takes your mind off just all the in, the intenseness of competition and stuff, and you just go out and ride. And so, so yeah. you, you went through the study. Um, you kind of kept moving. What brought you back? Like, was what brought you back to being, you know, um, thinking actually an athletic career or something you want to chase? Um, I actually went to Berlin. I was studying architecture at the time. I don't work in architecture at all anymore, but. Um, the studies were sort of designed that you did a bachelor degree and then you had to have a year of work experience and then you did your master's degree. And I did the first six months of that work experience here and here in Switzerland. And then I wanted to go to Berlin, improve my German. And so I went to Berlin. I got a, I got a place in some architecture firm. And, and I thought, well, I can't speak German at work. That's not going to help. So the best place to do that is probably a sports club um, oh, really? so that I have to speak German. Um, so I contacted a triathlon, sort of local triathlon club, and um, they said, "Yeah, come on over." And and that's where I met a really nice group of people there, and they kind of brought me back to triathlon. Yeah, it was it was that was where it started again. It was 2010. I do remember it was the ten um, well, which was in South Africa, and I was in Berlin for the summer. And oh, needless to say, I did very little work and yeah. a lot of watching football and riding my bike with my new friends which was very fun. And there were a lot of local competitions. Um, it's a really big triathlon scene there, they, believe they, it or they not. Love, they, love, they love the triathlon, don't they? Oh, they do, yeah. Just cycling. It's as flat as a pancake, but there's a lot of sports goes on. And um, I did a couple of local races and, and won them. So it was like, oh, maybe I can do this still. So that was where it all started again, yeah. And so I see on your website, you, did you turn pro or in 2015 or, or was it kind of earlier than that? It was a little bit, I think my first pro license was 2013. I had a really bad season. I came off my bike my first pro race. Um, and it's always difficult when you start as a pro because you need the, those years to build up the strength and the endurance and the experience. I just didn't have any of that. So I did 
the first season was just appalling and, and it hit my confidence a bit and then you spend a couple more years trying to build it back up. So I think my first decent pro season was probably 2015 through 2016, yeah. Yeah, and I was still trying to combine sort of Olympic distance racing and half distance. And at this stage, you're still working? Like, like what, what's been the transition of being an athlete and a worker and be like, you know, and all that kind of experience? I think I've, I've always worked um, alongside my studies. Since I was 15, I always had like either a summer job or just a, a part-time job just to keep the cash flow coming in. Switzerland's not cheap, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, so I've always worked and there were, I think I, I got a part-time job when I finished my studies, didn't enjoy the architecture particularly. So I went into sports events uh, and worked there for another year and a half, always part-time. But um, then I could train and work at the same time. And then I had a couple of years where I was a full-time athlete, and that didn't work for me at all, um, right. just from a just from a balance psychological balance point of view. I just couldn't deal with with the just the intensity of being a full-time athlete. And I know some people it just works for them, but I never, yeah, that never really worked for me. So I now run a, a little business. Uh, we do digital communication. It's just um, myself and my other half. For now, I do a lot of translation work and um, do some teaching on the side. And yeah, we've kind of built that Which up. Which is really interesting, isn't it? Because I imagine for, for most up-and-coming people who want to be a pro athlete, you know, to them, the mecca is I can commit my life to being you know, <laughs> living and breathing the sport. And, and for you, ultimately, that didn't work for you. No, it, it didn't. And... I gave it. I gave it my best shot. I, I was coached by Brett Sutton for uh, a little over a year, um, and I thought I'm going. I let my, I left my job. I thought I'm going all out. I'm going to give myself a real chance, and and I did quite well, to be honest. Uh, and I think physically I was I was probably all right, but but I just came crashing down. Um, just racing too much, traveling too much, um, then got injured. Spent a lot of time injured. Um, got kicked out by the coach uh, and then spent, yeah, just a, a year sort of building everything back up, but more everything around the sport rather than, than the training itself. So, Was, it, was I, there a I defining like moment? Was there a defining moment where it was um, like, oh, I've got to do something else or got to shift? There was, there was, well, to be honest, the, the pressure was more financial than anything else because I got injured. I spent almost two years... Uh, with a foot injury, well, two different foot injuries, but the, which prevented me from running. Um, so this is my first, hopefully, full season back. Um, and about, I think, a year ago, a bit more than a year ago, it's like, well, I need a job now. This isn't going to work. I can't just sit around waiting for this to go away. Mm. Um, so I worked as a, as actually a PE teacher for, for a few months, well, a good number of months, almost six months. Um, and just even just taking the focus off the sport, because you know when you're injured, and that's all you got to think about. It's like you get up in the morning and you're, you're just everything. All the focus is on. Is there a niggle? Is it still there? Can mm. I feel something? Um, whereas when you're jumping out of bed, looking at the alarm clock, packing a bag and racing down to the school because, you know, you've got a class full of kids waiting for you. Um, you don't even think about the injury. And even just taking that focus off was was probably enough to uh, to help it heal. It's so, interesting because, I'm, you know, like one thing, if you're not training, you've got a lot of downtime, haven't you? You do have a lot of downtime, time, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, when you say about being a full-time athlete, there's, I mean, it's not always cracked up to be. There's, there's the training, which is good fun. There's the traveling and the racing, which is cool. And then there's, there's all the, 
there's all the planning and admin and 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 the social media stuff that goes around that and and I manage a lot of social media in in the job within the sort of business so so I know enough about that and and even just trying to keep the front up when you're injured and you're having to just yeah just keep the mask up pretending everything's sort of okay and just playing the game and um oh, I can't do it after a while I don't know how people do it <laughs> I just really don't know how people do it <laughs> so um yeah and so then coming, uh, so going back to a, like a like a, a life with a job, what has it brought back to you? Um, a social, well, um, just general balance, to be honest, and an enjoyment of the. Just in, I enjoy training. I I enjoy the racing a lot more than I did. I don't have so much financial pressure, so I'm not actually always racing for money. Um, I can pick the races I go to because they're the ones I want. They're not the ones that pay the most necessarily. Um, it's um, it's probably brought my. I was ready to throw in the towel. I just didn't want to be a triathlete anymore. Oh, wow. um, for for a good while, and and I'm actually enjoying it now, which is probably why I've done all right this season as well. Because I actually want to do it. Um, I don't feel like I have to. I don't get up in the morning thinking, oh God, I've got to tick off these three sessions today. I don't have three sessions to tick off because I don't have the time to fit in three sessions anyway. So, um, but. Even that, I've realised that training less doesn't make me less competitive. Um, I'm probably a little more rested. It probably takes me a little bit longer to recover because I'm not quite as fit. But essentially speaking, I'm I'm just about the level I used to be at, and, and I've got a whole lot of other things going on at the same time. So if one of them comes crashing down, I've always got something I can fall back on. Mm, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. I, I call it kind of your esteem points, um, and I think it's always dangerous when you only have one esteem point in life. Whereas, you know, yeah. you're kind of what you're saying there is you've developed these other esteem points which allow you to be more aligned with self. Yeah, I never actually thought about it that sort of that in in personally, if you like, but but you know, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Mm. Uh but I did realise that being injured that I needed I definitely needed something else just to um yeah, just take the focus off the sport. I do perform better without pressure because I tend to I think a lot of people, of athletes do as well. They just, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. They have a lot of self-expectation and it's not necessarily other people putting that pressure on, but as sort of high achievers, if you like, you always do, you always expect mm. the most of yourself and, and you go, you, st- you stand on a start line thinking I've got to, I've got to podium or I've got to win this or I've got to win that, or even if it's for the cash or whatever. Um, and just taking that away, all of a sudden you're flying and you don't know why, but. It seems, yeah. it seems as though what you're saying here is, um, the removing of pressure has allowed you to express yourself as an athlete in a more aligned way. Um, has it changed how you race? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it took me a couple of races this year to to be able to, as well, just to get rid of that pressure um, myself. And um, it's changed. It's definitely changed the amount of race. Um, I don't race as much. I race the races I really want to race. Um, and when I'm in the race, it's changed the swim a lot, to be honest, because I've always, I, I come from a swimming background yeah. and I know a lot of pool swimmers struggle with this. It's as soon as you're in open water, there's no black line. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it does tend to, I just don't like swimming in open water. It's like, I don't know what's down there. I don't know what's going to eat me. <laughs> um, just get me out of here. Um, and I was always very, very tense on the start line. 
and I would just I would end up swimming on my own. Although I'm a good swimmer, I would lose feet, I would drop off the back of packs, I wouldn't be able to catch up. I'd be just be lost in the middle. I can't navigate properly. And just being a little bit more relaxed on the start line, all of a sudden, um, I'm swimming a lot better. So I don't know if it's because I'm not stronger in the pool. So um, maybe it's just made me a little bit more relaxed on the start line and just that, yeah, maybe I've been swimming a bit better. But um, I don't think it's changed the racing as such. But um, it's just changed the sort of the overall approach to the to the sport. And I know it won't work for everybody. There's there's a lot of athletes who who either, who need that pressure to perform mm. um, or or who have that sort of overwhelming desire to win and to, to, to be at the front and everything. And we all function differently, don't we? Um, we're all sort of driven by different things. What drives you? Like when you're in a race, mm. you know, and, um, you know, you are looking for the next level to kind of go to, to, you know, give yourself an opportunity to win a race. What, what's, what's the thing that tends to yeah. kick you into the next gear? Um, I just enjoy and I'm going to come back to the bike riding, but you know when you get that feeling on the bike when everything just goes and you feel like you're flying. And and I choose the hillier races because I, I'm not I'm not quite so powerful and flat, but I've had a lot of practice, obviously living in Switzerland, riding up and down hills. So I tend to choose the hillier races, and I just oh the technical descents, and you just you just let the bike go, and it's like you know nobody's going to catch you because because you're overtaking the motorbike, and it's like woo. <laughs> um so that's that's really good fun and then sometimes on the run you just get into a zone um and it doesn't it kind of hurts a bit but but you know it just feels really nice it just feels really good like this is what you're meant to be doing um and the satisfaction at the end it's like it's like climbing a pass on a bike you get to the top it's like i did that um but i don't suppose i've ever and i don't yeah Sometimes I hesitate to say this a little, but I don't go into every race thinking I want to win it or I don't have that absolute determination to get to the finish line first. Mm. It's not about that quite often. I mean, it's a bonus when it happens because yeah. it, it does yeah, it does good. happen every now and then, but yeah. it, it's kind of nice, but but it's a bonus. So, Here's, here's, a, here's a challenging yeah. question. Of your character traits, which ones work against you that maybe you need to develop as an athlete within yourself? <laughs> Uh, um, I think I think you'd ask any of the people who've coached me over the years. It's probably it's probably the self belief, um, and, and I think a lot of people looking at me would probably be a bit disappointed in almost in what I'm doing now uh, because they would have they've always said I've got a little bit more potential than that. But but I've tried. I've tried that. I've tried aiming for the top and and putting that pressure on myself and and going through that amount of training and and it hasn't worked. And I'm I'm happier doing what I'm doing now um, than than uh, than aiming for a podium in Kona type thing. Yeah. Um, I suppose the competitiveness is more likely to come out. Um, during a hill ride with with my friends, I'd rather race them up the hill. Um, and sometimes, it, sometimes in a race, I'm too focused on myself, and somebody will go past, and 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 I won't really react because I'm not really noticed. Mm. I suppose in a way, but it's a tricky question. 
Well, it's also an interesting question because you work with Sutton and, and we all know that he's pretty tough. And, and um, from what we hear, well, you'd know more than I, but uh, he can be quite um, lead with disappointment. Uh, and so, so how did you how do you kind of emotionally work through that period? I think that was, um, I think physically, um, although I raced a lot and I ended up very tired. I think physically, I, physically, I could take the training. Um, what I struggled with was um, he's quite controlling as a coach, and I have the utmost respect for him. So. Um, with the results he's achieved and everything. And it, it didn't work for me because I wouldn't hand over that control. Okay. Um, and we, we ended up disagreeing a lot because um, he had de- expectations and, and sort of demands that I just category refused. It's like, I'm not doing that race. No, I don't want to go there. Mm. Um, or I don't, I don't see why I'm doing that training or we had a few disagreements and in the end it just, it just didn't really work. Uh, but more from a psychological point of view, we just clashed rather than the actual training. So with Sutton, you basically um, have to totally give all your trust to him and it was something you just weren't yeah. willing to do. And I, no, that was something I, and even now I, I kind of pretty much self-coach. Um, so I have somebody guiding me, um, but I, most of the time I just do whatever the hell I want because, <laughs> because that's what I mean. <laughs> um, Yeah, I suppose... I've been in it long enough. I'll make mistakes. I know I will. And I'll overcook it like most people do. Um, but I know what works for me and what doesn't now. And I've also learned that too much is often counterproductive. Mm. So rather do too little than too much. Um, you just learn what your body can do, really. Some athletes can take a huge load. Others, like myself, tire very quickly. So I can do a week or two on 30 hours. But you want me to see me for a month afterwards. So... <laughs> Yeah. What, what, what's yeah. what's the growth for you moving forward? Like you know, obviously winning races. You know, you've had some good success, and you know, winning, you know, your Ironman a couple of weeks ago is pretty amazing achievement. You know, some really good, um, you know, achievements for your journey. But in the kind of that, that growth and or goals moving forward, what are you kind of looking for in the next moment in your career? Um, I, I suppose I've got specific goals in every discipline. Um, not necessarily, but again, it's, it's not numbers or it's not times or it's not podium places or, um, winning an island was just, was, it was amazing. But again, I know what I'm capable of. And I chose that race specifically for the potential conditions that we could get there. Like I choose a lot of my races. So, um, I don't do season planning. So it's actually a very difficult question for me because I don't, plan anything uh, yeah um i'm in the middle of a house move right now um but we literally don't really know exactly where we're going to be next week um so that's just that's just how things roll um and i'll decide from sort of one week to the next which race i'm going to do three weeks ahead is probably about the max oh, 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 um, so wait so when did you think you were doing ireland literally a week before the registration deadline which was so about a month out so, so, so then yeah. how do you, how do you, mean, how do you periodize your year off your training? Because if, if you, if you, if you think I'm doing I'm in a month from now, you know, you've got to be pretty close to, you know, and then you bloody win the thing. Uh, how do you, how do you kind of manage the journey of your physical year if it's not necessarily clear of the pathway? Um, it's probably a bit unorthodox, but there are, <laughs> oh, there isn't any periodization. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't any periodization. Okay. Um, and that's actually, that is actually something Brett, 
uh, no, rarely does. I, I'm sure he prepares Daniela and, and, and his stars for their key races. But for everybody else, for all the for all the, the, the girls behind or boys, there is no there is no structure to the year, really. You just you just train and you race. And and I'll I'll do that and I'll kind of go with the workflow as well. Um so if I've got a lot of work going on, obviously I can't train quite so much and I can feel when I'm getting fit and I know what I'm and I know this sounds maybe a bit presumptuous and also completely um, backwards in terms of training and stuff. Um, but if I feel fit, I'll register for a race. That's what I did with Alpes last year. I'd been riding my bike a lot because of the injuries and I knew I could climb. And a couple of weeks out, somebody said, oh, come on, just stop hiding. Go and do a race. It's like, okay, so what's next and Alpjoe's long course was on it was like so I wrote to the organizer and they had a they gave me a start and 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 I turned up and, it, and, and I did win um uh look I, I can't actually answer that question um I, I finished Ireland and I didn't want to think about triathlon for a bit so I've just spent the last month on my bike because people are going so when you what about Kona when are you going to start planning that what's the travel and everything it's like I don't actually know I don't know where I'm going to be living in August so I'll plan Kona so you are, you are doing Kona sort of to September you take I've slot. taken the slot for Kona and I'm actually looking forward to it going yeah um, but I'm doing Embrun 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 for the English yep. speakers yep um, next in two weeks that's well, another tough race three weeks yeah, yeah yeah that's a lovely race if yeah. you've never been go yeah everyone <laughs> yeah. says it don't they yeah yeah, yeah, special race. Yeah, and and I think that'll be really good preparation for for Kona, and and I'll just, yeah, I'll just I'll just work the training around work. Um, some of the projects they just because we're sort of not quite freelancers. I mean, we do have a business, but we work on a freelance basis. Um, it's the projects come and go, and and often they'll invariably turn up just before a big competition so it's like the week before a big competition i'll be working nights just to get a project in and then yeah you just you just do the race with whatever you've got but you've got the attitude right if you go in and you're not questioning it you're not looking for excuses um you know you want to be there you know why you're doing it and and that's i mean that's half well 90 percent of the of the road isn't it and what's the attitude you want to have to kona um I'm going to, I haven't worked out these goals yet because obviously I don't have the physical capacities to challenge for any of the top spots. Um, and the course isn't particularly suited to me because it's, I mean, it's not hilly, is it? It's, it's very rolling and I'm going to swim in a pack and I'm going to ride in a pack and I'm going to have to set out really specific personal goals for that. And, and I'll work on them maybe at the end of August. Um, but no, I'm definitely going into Kona with, with my own expectations, um, especially running a decent marathon because, because I can deal with, usually deal with tough conditions. So, um, again, it's two months down the line. So it's a bit of a tough question for me, I'm afraid. Well, which is, I love it how you kind of know what you are and how you work, because I imagine for most of the pro athletes out there right now, two months down the line, they're, you know, that Uber just focused on, you know, just absolutely smashing out everything. It's about Kona. And you're a bit like, oh, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I've got to figure my life out. <laughs> you know, like no, I don't want to. The thing is, I know that if I put the pressure on myself yeah. now uh, with Kona, then I'll either get injured 
yeah. or I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just do my head in and I won't be able to focus on either work or training or do anything properly. So I'd rather focus on what's coming in the next three weeks uh, because I know I can do that and I can probably, well, hopefully do a good race in, in France. Um, yeah, there's no point in, for me, there's not any point in planning any further ahead. Well, it's interesting because really um, what, what you've kind of expressed today is that, you know, the, the, the evolution of you is learning how to manage yourself. And, you know, even with Kona coming up, where most people would be kind of 100% focused on Kona, you've learned how to manage yourself in a way that will actually allow you to be more successful on the day. But, yeah, and that's the experience of being sort of 32 and getting sort of on a bit in the triathlon world and not a, a wannabe pro anymore. Um mm. But that's what triathlon can teach you, isn't it? Because it's such a tough sport. I've learned so much about myself, and even the fact that I'm too much of a of a of a pain in the backside to be coached properly by anyone. Then I've had to. And there's a, there's a few athletes out there who coach themselves, and mm. they do it very well. Mm. Um, but but a lot don't, and it's it's taught me. Yeah, it has. It's taught me a lot. Um, you have to stop and think about it, and figure out where you want to go, and what your goals are, and who you are, and as an athlete as well. And it's so competitive out there. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not, and a lot of other people aren't Daniela Reef or, or Lucy Charles, and mm. and and you're not going to get um, year-long support by by Red Bull and, and everybody else. Um, so you've got to figure out what you're good at and how you can get the money in and what you can work on, and yeah, and other things. And especially in Switzerland, there's absolutely no support for professional athletes. Um, so so you do have to. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, obviously I'm not thinking about a career after triathlon because I'm not thinking of two weeks down the line, but yeah. um, you do have to build other things up on the side, I think. You can't just focus fully on triathlon. So, but that's so, what worked for me. And that's what's worked for me. Yeah, well, and this, ultimately life is about understanding yourself, isn't it? And then making actions yeah. based on that and that's what you're doing well. Just just lastly, um, if, if we've got some any up-and-coming pros who are listening, um, you know, maybe at the beginning of their journey, what would be some tips that you'd give to them? That's funny, actually. It was a question I was asked not, not that long ago. And, and again, and I can only give my, um, my opinion on it um, because – a lot of athletes all, all function differently and have different needs and, and, and manage things a bit differently, but it can get very, very intense in the triathlon world. Um, just the racing and all the, I mean, just social media and all yeah. the pressure to perform. And, and, and I've seen, I know of two athletes at least this year who are, who are very good professionals and have just turned around and said, I can't, I can't race anymore. I've just, I'm over it mm. um, because they've been racing every second week. Um, it, it takes, a lot of time to develop um, just the base um, to get to get that fit and to be able to to race hard regularly and and think if you're just patient and don't expect too much of yourself too soon you could probably stand a, more of a chance of making it through than than burning your matches in the first two seasons and then just disappearing mm. um, and and go and do fun stuff as well don't just I mean there's loads of there's duathlons out there there's bike races there's um, I wouldn't be too intense about the triathlon just off the bat because it, it you have to be in it for so many for quite a long time before you you actually start performing. Yeah. Unless of course you're a top star and that, yeah. but it doesn't happen to to many people. And um, yeah, and learn to handle your bike because because I've won so many races by by learning how to turn a corner. 
and not lose time and stuff. And um, and so a lot, it's, it's not a lot of triathletes actually have just some of the basic swimming and and cycling skills. And I don't mean this in a in a bad way at all, but it can it can really help with positioning in a race and and just gaining time and energy. Um, well, and it, so that's, that's a tip for age groupers, isn't it? But like when you know, for you to be saying that that you you know gives you an advantage as a pro really shows triathletes up a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I think it, it help everyone. I didn't mean it negatively at no, all. No, no, not at all. No. It's, just, it's, it's just observation. Yeah. It's just observation. Well, I think it ultimately the, the yeah. other message you give is to make sure you develop the person, not just the athlete. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you can get so lost in in just the performance and the expectations, and 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 triathlon isn't the be all and end all, and that the there is life around it, and and sometimes I think you got blinkers on and, and you fail to to see or appreciate that, even the people around you. Um, I went swimming this morning and, and and I knew I had work. And and in the end, I cut 500 metres off my session and had coffee with a friend who I hadn't seen for six months and who'd been sick and lost her mum and whatever. And, and it was just, it was actually really nice. And it made me feel really good to have taken that time because she enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. And what was 500 metres in the grand scheme of things? over the 400 kilometers I swim a year or however many it is. So, um, yeah, sometimes it's worth just taking a little extra time to do other stuff. And I think what's really nice about your story is as you've evolved and you've kind of made these pretty cool discoveries, which are more about being aligned as a person, you're actually still being successful in results, which is a pretty great kind of conclusion, isn't it? I think to be honest, I'm probably more. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's working better for me because with less training, uh, less pressure. Um, I've got the same results, and and I've qualified for Kona, and and I'm actually enjoying it, which mm. is, yeah, no, it's definitely a big step forward from two years ago. Hey, if people want to follow so, you and see what you're doing, where, where will they go? Um, website is emmabillum.com. Yep. Um, created by our by our agency. So if any of the people looking out for websites, uh, we can yeah. do that. Um, social media, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not very good at it, to be honest. I should be a little bit more regular, but... Yeah, but should um, you? Prefer- but should you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, pick up a phone and speak to somebody if you want to speak to them rather than... Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, posting another photo of yourself in a, in um, a bikini. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, also, just good luck in Kona when you eventually figure out what that plan is and, uh, and just keep doing what you're doing. It sounds like you're on a great path. <laughs> thank you very much. Pleasure speaking to you. Okay, John, so next up, let's do a, let's do a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer, but we're going to talk about a bit of fuel, because I imagine you need some fuel right now. That's right, and I will have been fueling myself through this week on some Fuel 5. Um, one of the things with Epic Camp is you do need to be a bit careful, and I've fallen into this trap many a time, weight. is not necessarily putting on weight, but just looking after your GI track, because you can just slam so much rubbish into you, and you can get away with that for a few days, um, but it eventually does catch up with you, and you can... You know, your insides can be, uh, uh, you know, can get pretty messed up. So one of the things I love is uh, Fuel 5 and taking that during uh, plenty of the rides. So that's their, um, that's their sort of drink formula. Uh, what I find with that, it's just a lot less sugary than most drink formulas uh, and just has a really more palatable taste uh, to get you through your day. So check it out on Extreme Endurance, Fuel 5. They've also got their caffeine version, which I won't be having while I'm over there because, uh, uh, well, no, towards the end of, 
rides I will be um, but I don't like to be caffeinated all the way through my rides so make sure you look out for that when you are ordering they've got the Fuel 5 Plus the Fuel 5 Plus which has got the caffeine uh, so fantastic way to fuel yourself during your training and racing especially if you've maybe been suffering with some GI distress or you really struggle with some of the, the more mainstream uh, sports drinks brands try it out you know, get a pack and just test it out in your training see what you think proof will be in the pudding uh, and check it out xendurance.com along with all the other products while we're recording this I'm sure their new product will be out because when we did record today's show which is on the 16th of July so a couple of weeks ago uh, there was teasers coming out on social media and on the Extreme Endurance website about a new product I don't know what it is uh, but go check it out it's got green oh. green green labeling on it oh. it looks fancy green label. I'm excited to see what it John, is did you, were you into G.I. Joe as a kid? Greatest American hero? No, no, uh, no, no. G- yeah, this isn't it. Joe, Joe, the greatest American oh, hero. Oh, I thought you were um, that, that TV program, the greatest American no. hero. A um, little bit. What was your toy? Probably just G.I. Joe. No, I don't think I was really. I, I obviously knew of G.I. Oh, Joe. I wasn't in G.I. Joe. No, why, why is this coming up now? Because you said something about G.I. Ah, G.I. Okay. track, and it yep. got me thinking. Yeah, different G.I. What was your toy? Like- Transformers, Optimus Prime. Oh. Yeah. I saved up a lot to get Optimus Prime. That was expensive back then. Oh, yeah. And it's not like nowadays where there's 100 different Optimus Primes. No, no. You got one Optimus yeah. Prime. Yeah. Did you get the one that was the gun? Get- um, Magna? Uh, no, I got the goodies. I got the Autobots. Yeah. I didn't do Decepticons. Decepticons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was always really weird because you had Optimus Prime who's a truck. Yes. And then you had a guy who was a gun. Yeah. And it was, the proportions never made sense to me. What the hell is his name? I wasn't into Transformers, you see. I knew Optimus yeah. Prime and, and Megatron. Megatron. Bumblebee. Bumblebee. He was a goodie. Yeah, he was like a beat up, wasn't he? Yeah, yellow. Yep. So I was in the Masters of the Universe. Not so much. He man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, no, I didn't go there. Uh, no. Fraggle Rock. Like a bit of Fraggle Rock. Dancing for another day. Back to Extreme Endurance. Yeah. Did you have a point here? No, I thought you'd finished. I was just about <laughs> Get your extreme endurance, xendurance.com. Uh, you lacked it, Buffer. And Immune Boost. I've been cranking that stuff all week in terms of the extreme endurance. Immune Boost, Feel 5, is a really important part of my week. So get on it, people. Here we go. Here's, here's what was happening next. John's, here's the show notes. Epic camp interviews. John's meant to do that. Bevan, if not, have a backup interview plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty confident I will because today is... The last day of the camp, we're in a place called Aix-les-Thermes. So we have uh, traversed all the way through the Pyrenees. Um, so we go from Biarritz all the way across. Uh, the place we go to on the coast is just a tiny little place. We're staying back in uh, a place called Prades, which is about 60 k's from the coast. And then from Prades, we head over a couple of mountains to Aix-les-Thermes for the last couple of days. On the final day, we're doing a broken triathlon. We only kind of do a half-day training. Uh, we go to the pool. I think we're doing a 1K time trial in the pool. Then I've got a little circuit, uh, 30K circuit on the bike. Uh, and then we'll go off and do, I think, a 7K run. So a broken triathlon on the last day for the final uh, acts of glory. And then we'll be wrapping it all up and going out for dinner and telling lots of war stories and yeah. going home. And it's a bit, bit like when you've done Iron Man, um, avoiding the post-epic camp blues. You've had a good time, especially with camp. You know, you're away from home for, for a couple of weeks and then you go back and reality sets back in. 
Can well, be pretty tough. And I tell you what, guys, if you are looking to doing a cool camp, make sure you check out Rote next year. We're doing Challenge Rote, and we're doing a camp. And the, the cool thing about this camp is you actually end up doing Challenge Rote at the end of it. So make sure you go to www.iamtalk.me, and there's, a, there's basically a little advertising on the front page. But if you look through for our camp, it's in there, and all the information's on there, so you can check that out as well. So it's got sort of the schedule, where we're going to be. We have uh, three bases over there. We have Hippelstein, which is a tiny little village, and that's uh, right where the, um, the Solarberg Hill is that you see the pictures of. We stay there for about three nights, and then we go across to Regensburg, which is a beautiful uh, historic town, and then we come back to Nuremberg, which is where we sort of base ourselves for the last four or five days and, and commute down to Rote because there's no accommodation down there. And for partners and stuff, uh, all these locations have some awesome tourist things. So if getting your partner there is sort of the, the spanner in the works uh, or you know, you're getting away, partners uh, often come on the camp uh, for either the whole thing or part of it, uh, and there is some good activities. It's not like a if, if somebody wanted to bring their partner on, on a full epic camp, I'd really be saying, okay, this is what they're going to be expecting. Plenty of time. They need to be, kind of be into it. Yeah. Uh, if they're into it and they can do a few little side activities, then it's going to work. But um, this camp, um, based off past experience, it works quite well to have partners there. So if that's the case, feel free to get in touch. And if you just want that life experience, if you're, if you're a triathlete and you've loved triathlon for a long time and you want to do something that's pretty special, uh, this is the, like the racing, we all know how special Challenge Road is, but... but just this way of doing it is just such a cool way and and, and pretty much I guarantee anyone who's done our camp just loved it you know and, and I'm sure it's a highlight and not just their triathlon life their life overall so if you're looking for that next level experience make sure you check it out and you can see that on www.iamtalk.me well with it John let's talk about the patrons Thomas the Barge Dairy we got Joe Aragon uh, Spraggins he, so, he always wears a hat when he runs yeah he was over and uh, he did rote this year oh did he did he have his hat on his run uh, he yeah, wears like, a, so. like an handicap hat. Uh, like the cyclist sort of cap. No, no, you, you remember the, um, like one of the ones that's kind of like a pointy at the front? Okay. Like an old British, yep. you know? Don't recall seeing that. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's him. Yep, and Nemo Dory Brach. Okay, you are amazing people because you support the show. If you want to support your show yourself and you don't, go to www.imtalk.me, become a patron, just help the boys doing what we are doing. If you want to get the show emailed to you, you can go to imtalk.me as well, bottom of the page. Um, sponsors, John. Extreme insurance. Your lactic buffer. Uh, if you want to get some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, bevanjamesiles.com. Content like age group of the week, cool websites and other stuff. imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John. Ben, ben, what's your your uh, update on your fitness these days? People uh, you know always what? keen to know. Do you know what's really interesting? I've, I've made a real shift actually, mm. and uh, so I've, I'm moving away from cardiovascular fitness. Mm. So um, I've done cardiovascular fitness for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and extreme levels, like mm-hmm. you know what you're you're doing right now. Um, and I'm just finding as I hit my forties, you're just old. Well, it just. Like, you know, if I'm teaching, because I teach a lot of classes at the gym, so, mm-hmm. like, i am always got a base level of about eight hours exercise just at the gym, yep. and it's all pretty intense stuff, so it's all top-end yep. stuff. Um, and within that, I do a couple of pump classes, so there is a, there's always been enough strength work in that, mm-hmm. and then I normally do a CX or two each week at home, mm-hmm. so there's enough foundation. But I just found when I was running a lot recently and doing all my gym stuff, but I just was always kind of sore and sore mm-hmm. in a way it was like I'm not sure if this is good long term mm-hmm. you know and so I've just kind of made an assessment for the next period of my life I actually want to just look at getting strong and flexible mm-hmm. so I've actually got back into the weights room and I've been doing it consistently now I just do three sessions a week mm-hmm. um, and I've been doing that for about coming up four weeks now um, and then I've been doing yoga twice a week and one thing I'm doing in the weights room with the with the weights work is um, 
really using my recovery as a stretching time because mm-hmm. a lot of people in the weights room hey they just talk a lot and yeah and, and they have way <laughs> long rest, rest periods so i'm really sticking to the the you know based on the program i've designed for myself the time frames i'm meant to have for rest but basically just get into deep stretching when i'm there mm-hmm. um and and i do actually want to put on a bit of muscle mass not a mm-hmm. huge amount but i just want to get a slightly bigger kind of frame around me because as you age muscle mass becomes a problem so if i can put on you know maybe three or four kg of muscle mass that would be good um and I've also taken a really good approach to it. Like I've haven't gone the right through balls out straight away. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've literally I'm four weeks into it. And I'm now starting to push mid range weight. You know, mm-hmm. so I've really just focused on getting technique. And I've got to say, like I'm teaching like my high impact class that I do, where it's lots of plyometrics. You know, six weeks ago, I was, it wasn't a struggle because I get through the workout. But afterwards, the cost on my body was quite high. Um, my body feels great right now. Nice. So yeah, so it's a little bit like, oh, there always there'll be a time in my life where I go back to a higher cardiovascular. But, but you still get a lot of cardiovascular from your yeah, teaching classes. Yeah, totally. Yes, yeah. it's not like I've stopped cardiovascular. It's just that previously most of my extra training would be running, mm. um, and I just you know like joints and strength. I just want to get my body stronger and flexible before I get back to that. Uh, and also, I got to say, it's hard. It's hard for me. You know, like you know, for me to run hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it and it's hard, but for me to push myself hard at the gym. Got to get your outside time though. Yeah, well, that's that's the one thing I am aware of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that, that is something I do need to address because I do believe mm-hmm. in outside time. Um, but Joe and I can go for walks and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it is, I just, you know, as you age, and it is one thing of the endurance athletes do need to be a bit careful of because, we, you know, muscle mass is one of the things that gets lost as you age and we tend to be pretty lean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you, you know, you've got to be careful of, you, like, if I look at myself, there was, I remember years ago when I first got into fitness, I went and got all my VO2 testing and all that done at the Canterbury University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they asked me, they'll give me a cheaper rate if they take some photos while I was doing it. So that, yeah. and so then they put it up and, just, you know, it's just yeah. advertising shit. Um, and, I went back about six years later and that was when I was really hardcore weights guy. Yeah. And then I got into Ironman. I went back and there was a photo of me and I was like, who's this guy? (laughs) And these big arms and everything. And, um, you know, doing our sport does make you lean. And I just think we need to be careful of particularly, you know, and and, um, Joe Farrell's book around being in the Mm fifties, you know, his, his importance of strength work was really one of the key components of that book. And I do just think that as we age, we don't, we've got to be careful of losing too much muscle mass because then when we get to that later age, if we lose it, then that, that, you know, the risk around that's pretty high. So I think it should be doing it all the the way through, especially for females is uh, massively important to do strength training from day one. And that's where things like a pump class is great. Mm -hmm. You know, like for a lot of females, A, the gym's pretty intimidating. B, um, you know, it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to appeal so much to females. Um, as, a, as, as a kind of overall reference, I know there's definitely people who do love it or females who do love it. Um, but the, like a pump class is great. It's, it's, you're going to get that strength component into your into your week. And and also for like for triathletes, you know, some kind of strength work is good. Christchurch athletes, if you're listening up, we've now got two strength classes at our little uh, club base now. Oh, do you? Twice, twice a week, we've set up a little gym. And what so do you do? On it. Uh, I haven't been to one yet. I, I do 30 minutes of core with my group on Monday night running. We're setting up a little gym. It's going to be a lot more functional sort of stuff. Yep. We've got some bands, etc. We have got a a, um, <clears throat> a squat rack and what have you, but um, most of it's going to be fairly functional sort of based work rather than yeah. uh, you got too some much lifting. They're great. Uh, yeah, they're getting those. Yeah, yeah we've got one. We're yeah. getting some more. Yeah. So yeah. just a, a bit, a little bit of free weight stuff, but nothing too crazy, but a lot more functional stuff. So Christchurch athletes, 
it's just your foundation. Kevin's just done the sales pitch for the Canterbury Tri Club strength sessions twice a week. Uh, you don't have to go to both, but there's one on Tuesday and Friday nights. Nice. Good cool. stuff. Who runs them? Uh, Jess, uh, no, not Tess, Jess, Tess, who's, uh, we've got a visiting American athlete. She's off to ITU World Champs. Uh, oh, her husband Tess. is over here doing uh, viticulture at Lincoln University. Oh, wow. So she's well qualified. Well, good luck in your travels home. Thank you very much. And uh, enjoy. I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing it, Bevan. I'm going to get asked for a second meal on my flight okay, home. Okay. I'm going crazy. So next week when we catch up, did you get it? Did I was I successful? Did you Whether get I it? ate it is another question, but did I get it? Yes. Well, you you know what? Because last time we talked about this, you said the problem is we can't really afford to have that extra meal nowadays. I think I'm I have to epic keep, after, you can, you can justify it. it. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.